a little bit more about what that means. And it's also uh, right between our two, we have a great children's program that you got to come back to experience because we, we don't have it today. Uh, the reason we're doing that, though, is, uh, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's great just to be in church as a family, isn't it? I, I, I just love having my kids sitting next to me at church, and it's a great thing. So what we've decided to do is, in between Kingdom Kids rotations, we're going to have one Sunday where we're just all together. So we just ended a Kids Kingdom rotation, and we're going to start one. So today we're all together. And uh, kids, I believe in you. You can be good during this whole time. And uh, I bet you're going to get something out of it as well. I remember being in church at your age and, and, and remembering a few things. Sometimes you remember it more when you're age than, uh, than when you're older. So uh, today, the, the theme today is Great Among the Nations, just like that song uh, that we just sang. And uh, before we jump into the lesson, a couple announcements, uh, kind of housekeeping things uh, for the, the, the church here. We are going to be starting our regular midweeks with everybody together, men, women, kids, singles, teens, everybody, starting on the, sept- the 17th of June. So be, be planning on that. Also, we have a, a regional youth ministry night this Saturday for anybody who has children who are preteens or junior high or teenagers. Those families, we're all getting together at Seaside Lagoon. It's, the price is covered for you. Uh, you can swim. You can play volleyball. We're going to eat. We're going to have a great time. So you should have gotten the details uh, over the internet, over the interwebs. Uh, but if you did not, then uh, just find out about that. All right, so, so Great Among the Nations. You know, a number of years back, I was asked to write a song, that song that we just sang, for a conference with this theme called Great Among the Nations. And so the song is about the kingdom of God and advancing and spreading. And it's based on this passage uh, Malachi chapter 1. You can go ahead and be turning over there in your Bibles if you would. Malachi chapter 1. It says, My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that a powerful passage about God's name being great among the nations? And you know, uh, it talks about pure offerings and, 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 uh, uh, and, and giving. And so this is an appropriate passage for us to be looking at today. As today is our special mission Sunday where we support these churches in other parts of the world. And uh, I just love this passage. But you know, in preparing for this lesson, I went back and looked at the context. And the context, context I had forgotten and it kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, just, it's one of those passages that's like, Wow. So we're going to look at that today here in just a minute. I, b- I believe it's going to have the same impact on you. Uh, it's a great passage in Malachi, the Old Testament. So you can be turning over there, and uh, we'll pray here in just a second. Um, I want to uh, remind you to be praying for Scott Hachia. He's home. He's not in the hospital anymore, but he's still... Oh, he's here today. Okay, great. So be praying for Scott. Good to have you, Scott. Um, we, uh, we, we got together with the men uh, on Friday night. We prayed from 7.30 to midnight, and we prayed for Scott a lot and uh, for his health. And also, if you can be praying for Judy, uh, Judy Foster's mom is having open-heart surgery this Friday. Her name is Lourdes Sim. It's like a four-hour open-heart surgery, so really serious. Uh, so let's go ahead and pray uh, right now for the message and for Scott and Lourdes, and then we'll jump into Malachi 1. God, thank you for uh, your great name and that you, uh, we can completely... Uh, rely on you, God, that we can completely trust in you, that we know you love us. Uh, thank you that your name is great among the nations, and uh, thank you that it's not about us, but it's about you and what you're doing. And I uh, want to pray a special prayer for Scott and his family, uh, Pat and the girls, and we just uh, love them so much. They're such a dear part of the family here. We pray that you would heal him, 
and we pray that, uh, that he would be able to recover from this illness. Uh, that is our prayer, God. We know that everything is in your hands, and we know that you love him, and we're, we're inspired by his faith through this time and how he's been sharing his faith like crazy and, and uh, really impacting doctors and nurses for your glory and just an amazing brother. Pray for Lourdes, uh, God, uh, Judy's mom. Pray for her surgery to be successful on Friday, that you'd be with the doctors and she'd have full recovery. Pray that you'd be with our hearts as we look at Malachi. If we've got a little kid on our right or left, help us not to be distracted, uh, but help us to be able to get something out of the message. Pray the kids would get something out of it as well. And uh, just bless our time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Malachi 1, verse 6. Are you guys there? I'm not going to put it on the screen because it's too much to, uh, to put on there. Number one, I have three points. Number one, God's name is great. God says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? As fathers, we love it when our kids honor us, right? Kids, if, if you're sitting next to your dad, say, Dad, you're awesome. I didn't hear very many kids say that. It was soft honoring. And, but God says, you know, I, I deserve to be honored. I am a father. I am a master. But he says, where is that honor due me? says, it is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Verse 7, by offering defiled food on my, honor, on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he not accept you? Uh, oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Now here's the verse we just read a minute ago. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place. Incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Doesn't it add a little bit to that verse, getting the context? You know, God is, God is, is, is talking with them about this dialogue. It's, it's like what they say to God without actually saying it to God. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's things that we say in our hearts, and we all do this. There's things that we say in our hearts not realizing that God is listening. And there's things that, there's a, there's a correspondence sometimes we have with God, but it's not a direct correspondence. It's like the, the dialogue of our hearts. And yet God is listening in. You ever, ever had somebody butt dial you and then, and then, you know, you kind of stayed on the phone for a little bit? Hmm, I wonder if I'll get a nugget here or something. Come on, admit it. I know you have done that. Uh, it's like, well, they called me. It's not my fault. And just listening. <laughs> You know, uh, when, when Dust and I were dating, we dated for three years uh, as a part of this church, and uh, we, we had a great relationship. We really built our friendship, and one of the things in our church that we value in dating relationships is purity. And so, you know, our time is spent building our friendship and not, you know, being impure. And so sometimes, uh, you know, just to kind of keep it fresh, we would do these crazy sort of theme ideas for our dates. So we'd have like, uh, we'd go on a date with like two or three other couples, and we have some kind of theme. Like, like we'd, uh, one, one time we... We all got clothes from the thrift store, and we went to, went to First Cafeteria because that's where the old people hung out in Denver. And then we went and played bingo with, with older people. <laughs> so we had weird, you know, this, this is in college, okay, I was weird. 
But another weird thing that we did when I was in college is we had what we called the stakeout date. And that's where uh, Dessa and I and our friends Craig and Jen, we were on a stakeout uh, 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 watching Marshall and Sean meet. They spoke to our uh, ministry last week at our, our regional uh, uh, marriage retreat. So we, we, we dressed all in black and we ordered pizza and we hung out in the car and we like watched them. <laughs> and we followed them around and, uh, and I snuck into Marshall's car because he had the secret way you could get into it. I knew how to get into it. And I put this little recorder that, uh, that in the, I know this is bad. I'm not saying this is good. I put this recorder in there so then they're, they're, they're hanging out and, but he caught me like as I was trying to get away, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I thought I left something in your car, you know. And uh, so we listened back to it later, and they shut the door. You know, I, we heard the recording, and, uh, you know, they're like, oh, man, what an idiot. What is he doing? Uh, and we thought this was, I mean, Craig and Jen and Dustin and I, we thought this was so funny. And we just, we couldn't wait to play it for them. But when we played it for them, they were, like, not very encouraged. <laughs> They didn't think it was nearly as funny as we did. And that's kind of what's going on in Malachi. God is sort of playing this recording of things that we say in our hearts. Like nobody would say, oh, God, you bother me, or God, you expect to, you know, but, but in our hearts, we say some of these things. And, and, and God is saying that his, his name is great among the nations, whether we honor him or not, because there can be a, a disconnect between who the reality of God is and the honor that we give him in our hearts. And what's happening in this passage is people are saying, oh yeah, God is great, God is great. But then with their actual giving or with their actual sacrifice, they were not showing that he was great. Because they were kind of going, how can I get away with the minimum? How can I kind of get by, but I don't want to do, I don't want to sacrifice to God that's going to actually cost me something. And if you're, if you're visiting with us today, you know, we're talking about missions and, and contributions and stuff. That's not why we ask you to come. We, we don't expect you to, to give something. But for the, part, the members of the church, we do, we, we are called on God to give. You know, we, we have a responsibility to these countries uh, that we support. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so how, what is your level of giving? What is your attitude towards giving? Is it, I want to do my best? Or is it, uh, what's the least I can kind of get by with? And God is saying, I deserve the best. My name is great. God, God deserves our very best. Uh, and, and he says this interesting thing in verse 12. Are you guys still there? Verse 12. You know, before we read this, it's not that God needs your gift. You know what I mean? It's not that God needs your offering. God is honored by the whole universe. There are thousands upon thousands of angels praising him right now. All of creation is praising God. So it's, it, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of whether you lose out, you miss out on joining that. It's whether you miss out on who God really is. It, it's not like God is greater or less great based on your response. It's, it's really, you're the one missing out if you don't recognize how awesome he is. And he says in verse 12, you profane it, you profane the offering by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniffed at it contemptuously. That verse is amazing. You sniff at it contemptuously. I don't know what that means exactly. Kind of, oh. Anybody ever do that about something? Oh. Like it, kind of, it, it made me think about uh, this guy. <laughs> you know that face? Oh, please, are you serious? You know, that, 
And God says, that's kind of how you are in your heart sometimes towards me. You sniff at it contemptuous. What a burden. Anybody ever said that in your heart? What a burden. Special missions, oh, what a burden. Having to pray with the brothers till midnight on Friday night, oh, what a burden. Uh, you know, somebody asks you to lead a small group or, oh, what a burden. Or serve in children's ministry. Hey, can you serve our kids? We really need a great... Oh, what a burden. Oh, I see Eric coming. <laughs> you know, that's not right. God's name is great. And he hears that. He hears that, that, uh, that dialogue of your heart. Uh, and, and he knows. Okay, next, let's keep reading. He says, when you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices... Can you hand me my bag? Sorry, I have, a, I have something I want to show you guys. and I forgot it's in my bag. Uh, okay, it's not a diseased animal. That would be cool, though. <laughs> bring, this, bring this horrible-looking goat. All right. It says, when you bring the injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God says, you promised me this, and then here's what you actually give me. Anybody been a victim of that before, like on eBay, or you know, you order something online, you're expecting one thing, and you get something totally different? Uh, I ordered, a, um, I ordered the cam- this digital camera, this HD camera, a number of years back, and it was quite a bit of money, and I found it online for about $200 cheaper than the camera store on, on my, you know, right down the street from me. I was like, sweet, this is probably at cost. So I bought it, but the order didn't quite go through. It said verifying order or something. And then somebody calls me. This guy calls me from this camera shop in, in like New Jersey or something. And he's like, yeah, we got a great price for you. Yeah, but you got you know, to buy this other package because it's really good. And, you know, he sells me on this other package because he says for only $200 more, you can get these cards, a case, a charger, and a tripod. I'm like, this is, that's not too bad because tripods sometimes cost a couple hundred dollars themselves. Just, a, you know, just a tripod for a good one. I think uh, Vanessa has one that costs $900 or something. <laughs> Uh, she was showing us how awesome it is the other day at her, at her house. But so I was like, okay, uh, you know, and I knew this guy's selling it at margin, so I wanted to make some margin, so okay, okay, I'll go for the $200. So I bought it, and then it came, and I, I opened it up, and it was kind of a small package, and here's the tripod. <laughs> so, so, so this is a tripod. And my camera did fit on it, and it would even hold up the little camera, but it was not what I expected. And I think that's what we can do to God sometimes, like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, I'm going to give, and then, but then when it come, push comes to shove, you know, it's kind of like, well, sorry God, next time, you know what I mean? And, uh, and the, the fact is God's name is great, and his greatness deserves our praise, doesn't it? His glory deserves our honor. His kingdom deserves our sacrifice. He gave his very best. We're going to talk about that in a minute when we take communion. He gave his very best to us, and doesn't he deserve our best? And so we need to, we need to give him what he deserves. God says, Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal. I don't want to be a cheat. I don't want to cheat God, right? 
and, uh, and I hope you don't want to as well. So, second point, the need is great. Let's turn over to Acts 11. So we're going to fast forward 400 years. Malachi was the last book in the Old Testament, right before a time of, of darkness, prophetically. 400 years, God's people, uh, you know, they were conquered by, the, uh, by, by these different empires. And yet there was these prophecies that they were holding on to that someday the Messiah would come, the king that God promised, and he would establish a new Kingdom. He would establish an eternal kingdom that would bring all these other empires to an end and it would endure forever. So by the time Jesus came, they were looking for this king and they called him the Messiah. And so when Jesus came, there was, there was a controversy. Is he the Messiah? Is he not? He's not really a king like we would expect. You know, born in a royal court and he's got an army and he's got soldiers and he's establishing a new government. We know Jesus, that's not who he was at all. Yet he was a king, but of a different kind of kingdom, right? An upside-down kingdom, a, a, a kingdom that you don't see immediately, but it, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you or among you. It's a spiritual kingdom that he came and he established. And so Jesus leaves, he gives them the Holy Spirit, he goes back to heaven and he, he says, now I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Teach people to be my followers. And, and this is for the whole world. Go to every nation. He says, you're starting here in Jerusalem, but you're going to go to all Judea and to the ends of the earth. So he tells them that, and what do they do? They stay in Jerusalem for years and years. <laughs> Why? Because sometimes we need a little extra boot out of the nest, right? Uh, even though he sent them to all nations, they didn't quite get it yet. And so, but what happens is there's this intense persecution that happens, and that's where we're going to pick it up here in Acts 11. This intense persecution happens, and, and so the, the disciples are scattered. Verse 19, those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So these guys, uh, Stephen was killed by the Jewish authorities, and then that kind of Trip, tipped the scales to where this persecution broke out, broke out. And all the brothers and sisters were really being persecuted by their neighbors or by the Jews. And so a lot of them had to leave town. And so as they're leaving town and they're going back to where they came from or they're, they're heading north, they start spreading the word where they go. And that's convicting to me because how would I feel if one of us got martyred? You know, if one of our number was killed for his faith, what would be the feeling? You know, would we shrink back? Would we be... Would we, oh, we got to keep it more quiet, or would we be, we be filled with boldness like they were? And so these people in Antioch start becoming Christians, and here's a, here's a map on the screen. This is uh, Antioch right up there. Here's Jerusalem. Here is, I don't know if you can see it, but that's the Sea of Galilee. So that's where Jesus, his ministry was. That's about 100 miles north. So Syria is way up here, 300 miles or a little more up north of Jerusalem. So these guys are from up here. So the, the gospel had never gone up there. I mean, Jesus' whole ministry was right here. The farthest he ever got was here, Tyre and Sidon. So they're all the way up here, and, and they start to have people becoming Christians there. And not only just becoming Christians, but these are non-Jewish background Christians. This is the first time uh, the Gentiles start becoming Christians. So in verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, down at the bottom there. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. So Barnabas goes up there. He's a good brother. He's from Cyprus. He's from here, and so they're like, well, you kind of know the area, so you go up there. 
And so he goes up there and he, and he sees this church that's just growing and it's awesome. And, and, and it becomes clear, yeah, the gospel is for Gentiles too. It's not just for the Jews. It's for all nations. And so he's really encouraged. It says in, in verse 25, he, he sees that so awesome. And then he goes to Barnabas. Went, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, found him and brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So it's not on this map, but Tarsus is up here. That's where Saul was from. Saul becomes a Christian, and he, he goes through a kind of a rough first few years as a disciple. And, and by most accounts, he, it's probably that he got discouraged, and he just went home. And so Barnabas goes to Antioch. He sees great things happening. He goes, the first thing he goes is, you know what? This would be a great place for, for Saul to have a ministry. Saul, who became Paul. And so he goes to Tarsus, Tarsus, gets Saul, and brings him to Antioch, and then they start this ministry there. And and this is the first place where the term Christian is even ever used in the Bible. And for those of you who are new to the Bible, the word Christian is actually not in the Bible much. It's the word disciple. So disciple and a Christian are the same thing biblically. And this says this is the first place the disciples were called Christians, is is at this non-Jewish congregation. And this congregation grew to be 10,000 people. Uh, and, and uh, you know, but, but the things I thought is, what if those people hadn't spread the word as they were going, scattered by the persecution? What if Barnabas hadn't been willing to go up there? Because, oh, I don't really feel like it. What a burden. I don't really feel like going. Then he never would have gotten Paul, and Paul never would have been in Antioch, and Paul's ministry never would have gotten going. We wouldn't even have all these books in the New Testament Paul wrote. Paul wrote almost all of the New Testament. You know, three quarters of the New Testament was written by Paul. God worked when, when they gave their best and when they kept, you know, kept the faith and when they didn't allow their hearts to get like we just read about. Oh, what a burden. I don't, what's the minimum I have to do? But when their hearts were like, what can I do to glorify God? God did amazing things. And the need is great now for the gospel, just like it was then. And here's what happens. There's going to be this famine. And uh, in verse 28, one of them named Agabus, this is a, a, a prophet, stood up and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So there was a great need. There was a famine coming to Judea and Samaria. This is a famine that is in the uh, other, uh, other historical accounts. It's not just in the Bible. And, and Josephus says many people were dying because of this famine. Many people died of starvation. Hey kids, any of you guys hungry right now? Raise your hand if you're hungry. Okay, yeah. I don't like to be hungry, do you? And have, have you guys ever missed a whole day of eating, kids? Adults, you ever miss a whole day of eating? Yeah, it's not fun, is it? But, you know, to be honest, we don't really experience that very much. And the disciples had a need in Jerusalem because of of this famine. And so what happens is everybody says, okay, let's make it happen. Let's do something to meet this need. It says in verse 29, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help. And so the need was great. And so they said, okay, we're going to decide to provide help. And who are we going to send? Barnabas and Saul. They're going to go to Jerusalem. And we'll talk more about that. That was something that... That was the Holy Spirit, because this brings Barnabas and Saul down to Jerusalem with the leadership there, and it bonds them together. You ever gotten a gift that you really appreciated because you really needed it? Raise your hand if you ever got a gift you really liked, kids. Okay, yes. Don't you, aren't you encouraged by whoever gave you that gift? 
And so here Barnabas and Saul come from Antioch to Jerusalem, and they come with the gift. I bet the disciples were so encouraged by that gift. But they were so grateful to see them. And so God used that to bond the kingdom together. And so in the same way, our church, we have churches around the world that need our help. If you're a visitor today, you know, uh, if you're new to the church, if you're new to the group, uh, our church, it's so cool because we're a part of a brotherhood of churches all around the world. There are 640 churches in 155 nations. And, and uh, so there's more churches outside the U.S. than in the, U- the U.S. So that's why we're called the International Churches of Christ. And so we don't have a mission just here to South Bay. We have a mission to the whole world. And so the way things work is the churches here in the first world, we support the churches in the third world. Why? Because it's hard, to, it, it, it's hard to, to, when you're just trying to make ends meet, it's hard to be able to build a church. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the, the, the minimum wage in Mexico City is $5 a day. That's the, the average salary in Monterey, Mexico, is another big, big city in Mexico, is about $150 a month. That's the average wage. So the disciples, the brothers and sisters in these countries, they don't have a lot, and yet they give sacrificially. But I feel like, hey, if, if it means I get to live in America and have all the freedoms we enjoy and have access to health care and I rarely go hungry, uh, that's a blessing that I get to give. Do you know what I mean? Like, th- their job is to evangelize Mexico. I just got to, I get to live in comfortable America and just help them. You know, like, we've got a pretty good deal. But, but they need our help. The need is just as great as it was then. A lot of these churches are small. When we got together with the brothers, we were praying for churches, and a lot of them are 20 people, 30 people, uh, 40 people. You know, they're small churches. A lot of the leaders of these churches work volunteer uh, to see their area evangelized. And so they, everything we give really, really counts. So we're going to be passing out, we're going to be taking up our offering a little later, and the ushers are going to pass out a card right now. I just want to explain before we go over our last point. I had one to show you. I don't know where it went up here. So what this card is, is for anybody who would like to give missions today, uh, but they're not giving today. So in other words, you gave already. You can see, they'll get past that. Oh, yeah, let me see Henry's for a second. I just kind of want to remember what it says. Okay, so this is a card if you're not giving today, but you've already given online or you are planning to give in the month of June. Because what we're going to do at the end of our service is we're going to be able to come forward and put our gift in these offering baskets. And so if you already gave online, you might feel like, oh, I'm sitting here in the chair, but I already gave. You know? but, but I want to kind of, it's, it's a celebration. It's not like I'm walking up to show everyone I'm giving. You know, that's not it. It's more like our family's coming in an act of worship to give. Does that make sense? So what this card is for is if you have already given or you're giving later in June. So raise your hand if you want one of these, because what we'd like you to do is fill this out and then put it in the plate. You could put it in here. Uh, if, you're already give, if you're giving today, like writing a check or whatever, then you don't need a card. Does that make sense? Okay. So uh, the thing is, is that in, to win the world, it takes a team. And on a team, everybody's got to do their part. And kids, any of you guys play soccer? Raise your hand if you play soccer, kids. Okay. So on, can you imagine if it was the whole team against just you? You had to be goalie and everything else? I heard a yeah over there, but for most of us, that would be really tough. Uh, we were watching soccer uh, yesterday all day, and uh, Cora was in a soccer tournament. And it's so important, you've got to have the defenders, they've got to clear the ball, right? Or they've got to try to get it through to the, to the offense. And then the offense has got to try to strike at the goal. 
And the goalie is super important. Everybody on the team is important. And so the job that we play here in America is we support. We pray for these churches. We contribute to these churches. Our goal as the South uh, and, and West and, and uh, Long Beach, all of us, is to raise $200,000 for Mexico and Central America and $200,000 for the Middle East churches. And, and they count on that, those funds, and, and uh, that's our part that we play in the team. Every one of you makes a difference. You might think, well, I, I, I can't do much. What does it say in that verse, verse 29? The disciples, what? As, you guys still in Acts? The disciples as what? As each one was able, decided to provide help. God doesn't expect what you don't have right? God expects as each one is able. Some of us can give many thousands and thousands of dollars to missions today. Some of us can give hundreds of dollars today. Some of us can't give much, but I bet everybody can give something. Everybody can give. You know, if you think about what you spend just eating out, that adds up. You know, if you would just say, okay, the month of June, I'm never going to eat out. And the extra money I would have spent, I'm going to save that for missions and give that. That would be hundreds of dollars right there. Starbucks alone, a guy told me this morning that he's, he was spending $200 a month at Starbucks. It's like, whoa. Because he had a, you know, that's what happens when you get that phone app, doesn't it? Woo, free money. Reload, reload. Yeah, that's right. So we all got to do our part. Last point, great things happen. When we give, when we, when, when we are in step with the Spirit, great things happen. Uh, we don't have time to read the story in, in its entirety, but I want to start it out here in Acts 12, verse 1. It says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So this is King Herod Agrippa I. He was, a, he was actually the Jews liked this guy. But he saw, and he liked that they liked him. So he saw that, oh, they liked it when I killed James, the apostle. And so he got Peter and he put Peter in prison. So the brothers and sisters, what are they thinking? Peter's going to be killed too, just like he killed James. And so they're praying for him and they're fasting. And there's this late night where they're together in a household and they're praying, God, please let Peter out of jail. Please let Peter out of jail. What happens in the middle of the night? An angel comes and knocks off Peter's chains like we see in the picture there. Peter gets let out of the jail. Everybody's asleep. All the, all the, all the uh, prisoners, all the guards are knocked asleep by this angel. Peter doesn't even realize what's happening. He thinks he's in a dream. He's like, wow, this is cool. This angel's letting me out of jail. I love this dream. But then he gets out in the street and he realizes it wasn't a dream. I'm free. And so he goes to that very house where they are praying for him to be let go. Isn't that cool? He finds the house. So they're all inside praying. So he's knocking on the door, and this girl comes to the door, and he's like, it's Peter. She's, she's like, what? She doesn't open the door. She goes and tells everybody. They're all praying. Please let Peter out of jail. Peter's at the door. Shh, be quiet. Shh. No, Peter's at the door. Be quiet. We're praying for Peter. <laughs> and so they don't even get it. Does that ever happen? You know, you're praying for something. You don't even realize God is moving. God is, do- God is answering your prayer. And so then they finally get it, and they, they let him in, and they're overjoyed that they're together. So something great happened there with Peter, because, uh, and, and God is showing that he is great among the nations. He can do anything he wants. And Peter later would die for his faith, but at this point it wasn't time. You know, God needed him around, so God sets him free. And then it has this really weird story about Herod. In verse uh, 19, kind of second part of 
of verse 19. It says, Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He'd been quarreling with the people of, of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with them. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace, blah, blah, blah. Verse 21. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Isn't that kind of a weird story? Why is it right there in the Bible? I think it's because Luke is contrasting Peter and Herod. Peter is a nobody. He's a fisherman from a poor little town. Nobody knew who he was. He was not famous. He wasn't educated. The Jews are like, who are you? You're the leader here? You know, who is this guy? And yet God was totally involved in his life. Herod is like as famous as you can be. Everybody knows this family. They're like the Kardashian family. You know, we were hearing a lot about the Kardashians all the time. These are famous people. And everybody's talking about him. And in this situation, people are even worshiping him and going, wow, this guy's a god. Anybody ever say somebody was a god? When I was in high school, people used to have t-shirts that said, Morrissey is god. Some of you know who Morrissey is. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, people, people are worshiping this guy. And yet, he dies this horrible, horrible death, eaten by worms. They think he had uh, internal gangrene where his body rot, rotted away from the inside. And, uh, you know, what he had was Fournier's disease. Now, I made the mistake of Googling that. <laughs> and I saw probably the grossest pictures I've ever seen on the Internet. And I watched The Walking Dead with Jameson. So, th I mean, this is gross. So uh, if, you, if you have a strong stomach and you want, I can tell you how to spell that and you can, do, you know, but beware, because you can't unsee these pictures. <laughs> but this guy, you know, he, he came to a horrible, horrible, horrible end of his life. And the point there is that God's name is great among the nations, and he's in control. It doesn't matter if everybody thinks you're famous. It doesn't matter if you have all the power and money in the world. It, it's meaningless in terms of eternity and in terms of your power over even your own death. Right? And we all, the, the reason this is important is because we all have a Herod in our life. We all have a boss or somebody at the office or somebody that just seems like they've got it together, things go their way. Maybe somebody who's a little bit of a bully. Kids at school, you ever had a bully kind of pick on you? Somebody that's mean? You know, that's who Herod was. He was a bully. And yet God is saying that, hey, great things happen. If you trust me, if you sacrifice for me, if you... If you uh, are on my side, great things are going to happen. And I have all of eternity in my hands. I have the big picture in hand. And, and, and what's so cool about this story, it ends with, uh, in verse 25, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So that, so again, we followed this story. They, they were in Jerusalem, uh, they were in Antioch, right up here. The need was great, Right? So they travel down here to Jerusalem with their offering. While they're in Jerusalem, some cool things happen. Peter gets led out of prison by an angel. Herod gets eaten by worms. Crazy things happening. They're there for a while. Then it says, okay, then they're done and they go back to Antioch, Barnabas and Saul. You know, going through this experience together, I bet bonded Barnabas and Saul. And, it, and I think it probably gave them a little bit of a taste of, hey, we should travel more together. And what ends up happening is, uh, the Spirit leads them, and they go from here 
and they go and, and spread the word to all of those countries. Barnabas and Saul go together on the first missionary journey. They go, okay, we're going to go. We're going to spread the word. And, and the Spirit leads them around, and they spread to all these countries. And then because of what they did, the apostles are inspired. And so the apostles, they've been in Jerusalem all this time, but now they leave, and they go all over the world. They go to Rome. They go to, to, to Egypt. They spread the gospel all over the known Roman world, all because of what Paul and Barnabas did. And all of it was led by this this little, this little thing that happened where they, they brought an offering to the church in Jerusalem. Do you see that? And so who knows how God will work through what we give today? We don't know how God's going to use the money that we give today. We don't know how God's going to use the connections that we have with each other. But great things are going to happen. And I wanted to share a few stories here before we, uh, before we pray for communion. Uh, I want to share a few stories about some of our churches that we support. So, uh, for example, in uh, Mexico City, uh, this is the, uh, actually that's Monterey, but Mexico City, before we get to Monterey, is, uh, was, was where the church was, began in Latin America. In 1987, 13 disciples went to start the church in Mexico City. And from those 13 disciples that moved there, you know, they, okay, we're going to go for it. There's only 13 of us. Now there's 10,000 disciples all over Latin America and 39 churches. Just from that. And one of those churches is in Monterey. Monterey is a big city in, in, in Mexico. This is the staff of Monterey and the churches that they kind of help and uh, support. And uh, I want to share with you something that the teens did for Monterey. Here's the, uh, the teen ministry of Monterey. The teens and a few singles, they decided, hey, we want to be on the mission team. We want to go do something. And so they said, we're going to go to Culiacan City. Culiacan City is one of the most dangerous places in Mexico. And yet these young people go, okay, we're going to go, we're, we're going to share our faith. They sold food to raise money for the expenses. They sacrificed a week of vacation. They traveled 15 hours to Culiacan, and they shared their faith with over 2,000 people. And here's a quick video of them going. Now you're going to see these teens, they're impressive. They're hard. You know, we're going to Culiacan. Ugh. You're going to see Doesn't he look pretty hardcore right there? Those are some tough, tough cookies. No quiero perder las cosas que me quedan This is them getting ready. Las cosas que me quedan por vivir en ti. No quiero olvidar las cosas que planeaste para mí. Los sueños que me diste lograré por ti. No tienes que buscar a nadie más. Yo quiero ir. Aquí está mi tiempo. Aquí están mis horas. Vamos por Culiacán. Let's hardcore. Mi vida es para ti y en ti la quiero yo invertir. Aquí están mis manos, aquí está mi voz. Aquí estoy yo. Aquí estoy yo. Oh, Listo quiero estar. Los dones que me diste voy a usar. Los años que me has dado viviré por ti. Conquistar 
que me diste sin dudar Haré lo que me pidas, viviré por ti No tienes que buscar a nadie más, yo quiero ir Aquí está mi tiempo, aquí están mis horas Aquí estoy yo Mi vida es para ti y en ti la quiero yo invertir Aquí están mis manos, aquí está mi voz Aquí estoy yo Aquí estoy yo No tienes que buscar a nadie más Yo quiero ir Aquí está mi tiempo Aquí están mis horas Aquí estoy yo Mi vida es para ti Y en ti la quiero yo invertir Aquí están mis manos Aquí están mis voz Aquí estoy yo Aquí estoy yo Aquí estoy yo Aquí estoy yo Super disciples, they are not anything that you and I are not. They are just ordinary brothers and sisters, aren't they? They're not these hard, tough, super disciples. They're just ordinary people who are going, I want to do something for God. And th these are the types of brothers and sisters that we are supporting all over the world with what we are doing. A couple more stories. Uh, in, in, in Central America, Josue Ortega sent me this on Facebook. Facebook is so cool for connecting to brothers and sisters around the world. And Josue Ortega leads the church in... Uh, in, in uh, El Salvador. He said, uh, in, in Central America, they now have uh, 11 churches in seven countries, almost 2,000 disciples. That's in these uh, nations right here. Uh, they planted two churches last year, one in Malpaisillo, Nicaragua, the other in Comayaga, Honduras. The church in Malpaisillo grew from two to 60 in 18 months. And, uh, and so right now, even all the churches of Central America are gathered together to having a, a conference right this very weekend, right now. They're meeting together, praying, how are we going to get the word to these countries? They, they're meeting right as we are giving our offering today. They're having that, that meeting right now today. The campus ministry is growing. They've, uh, they've, they've uh, had 57 disciples added to the campus ministries in, in this area. So they're really trying to reach the youth and raise up young people. So it's really, really encouraging. Uh, a couple stories from the Middle East, because Middle East we support as well. And uh, Steve and Jackie are going to be going over there uh, this summer. And so they're, I'm sure they're going to bring back a lot of, of news. But a couple of things that uh, Marshall, my friend, who, uh, my friend Marshall was involved in, in the Middle East for a long time. And he went over there last summer. And a couple of stories I want to share with you. First was the story of this guy named Nadal. He was uh, from a Muslim background. He was a Kurd. He became a disciple in... Uh, um, in Lebanon, in, in Beirut. And so he, he, uh, after he becomes a disciple, he is forced to go back to Syria. And so he has to go to, by the government. And so he has to go to, to Syria. He's all alone. Uh, the brothers pray, you know, it's kind of what can you do, but they send him off. They lose contact. But after about two years, uh, he was able to get back in touch. And he said, I'm married now. My wife is a disciple. I studied with her and baptized her. And I've got some other people that want to get baptized. And so he drove, uh, they, they drove to Beirut. It was, it's a five-hour drive, but it took them three days. And they had to go through about 100 ISIS checkpoints to get uh, from Syria to Beirut. Uh, but they, they studied with some people. They baptized them. Now the church in Syria actually has six disciples. And they consistently have 20 to 30 visitors every Sunday at their service. And they have a sign, the Syrian Church of Christ. 
but they're only they're in a Kurdish neighborhood, and the Kurds are not as hard, you know, uh, hard to deal with as the as the ISIS fighters. So it just brings it home what you hear about in the news with ISIS and Syria. We have brothers and sisters there, and they're putting it on the line every single day for their faith. In Yemen, uh, Yemen is I mean, you know, what we hear about Yemen is that's where people go to get trained to join Al Qaeda, right? Uh, there was a, a brother. Uh, there, Sammy. We know Sammy from years ago, if you've been around a long time. He was the one that was in prison and tortured, and we prayed for him. He was in prison a long time uh, for his faith and tortured for his faith, and he got out. But So now what he does in Yemen is he gets on the internet and he connects with people in these underground chat rooms. And so these are underground chat rooms, not for some evil, wicked thing. These are underground chat rooms for Muslims who want to know about Christianity. And so uh, Sammy gets on there and studies with them and so, and then he's been baptizing people. So four people got baptized and they, they came to Lebanon and uh, they strengthened them. They went back. Another four got baptized. Now there's 16 disciples in, Leba- in uh, Yemen, all from what Sammy's doing on the internet. Isn't that cool? And there's intense persecution. One person got killed for their faith. Uh, Marshall said I was not allowed to share the details, but I mean, just the fact that some, they were burned uh, for their faith. I mean, that, that, this is intense. And, and, and so all we have to do is contribute and pray. Uh, you know, no, none of us probably go over there anytime in the near future, but we can pray and we can contribute. Amen? Uh, before we take communion, I want to look at this verse, and then we're going to watch one more video. It says, uh, and that day they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation." You've made them to be a kingdom and priests who serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Who is this talking about? It's talking about us. That this is God's desire, is for us to be great among the nations. Not because who we are, but because we are God's people and we reflect his glory. And why is this possible? Because Jesus died for us. He says, with your blood you purchase for God. Every single person here, every tribe, every language, every nation. Jesus' sacrifice is available to all people. And so that's why we've got to do our part to help get the word out to all of these nations. Every tribe, all nations. His best deserves our best, doesn't it? And so communion is a great time to reflect on that and recommit yourself. And what communion is, is it's a time of remembering God's uh, sacrifice for us on the cross. And that Jesus gave his body, that's represented by the bread. And he gave his blood, that's represented by the fruit of the vine. And that through him and because of his sacrifice, God's going to do something great. And God is doing something great among the nations. And we're going to, I don't know what this song was like. You know, it says they sang a new song. And then it has some of the lyrics of that song. What do you think that song sounded like or sounds like? Is it a solemn song? Is it a, I I picture it being a majestic song. A a huge praise. You know, this is incredible. And so I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to have a song before we take communion. But normally for communion songs, we kind of do the really quiet, meditative, you know. And I think that's good because Jesus died on the cross and that's a dark thing. But isn't it a celebration as well? I mean, this is a celebration of what he did. And so when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, I think he was saying, celebrate what I've done for you. 
He even told them, I've eagerly desired to celebrate this Passover with you on that last night that he had with them. And so we're going to watch a video of, of disciples of our church from many different countries all singing the same song. And maybe that'll give you a vision of this picture in heaven someday of all being together, all around the throne, all praising God because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So after we watch this video, uh, I am going to uh, come back and we'll pray for communion and then we'll take communion together. All right, go ahead and roll that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
God, thank you that uh, we can celebrate today uh, what you did when you died on the cross. Uh, it was Satan's greatest triumph, or so he thought, and yet it was really our victory, God, that uh, you paid the price for our sins and that through you we can be able to have forgiveness of everything that we've ever done. And uh, God, that we can be with you forever in heaven just because of the grace uh, that you've given us. And I pray that can be a, such a celebration amongst us. And I pray that we can spread that to the whole world. God, I pray for these churches that count on us. And uh, Father, I pray that you give them peace. I pray you give them security so that the gospel can spread. And uh, I pray you be with our hearts uh, uh, when we give here in just a few minutes as Henry comes and and prays for that. But uh, Father, for now, I pray that we can really focus on what you did at Calvary for us. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Uh, Thank you for the sacrifice that was made for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 